Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts, radio, news. Well, Elon Musk is now the richest person on the planet. More than half the satellites in space are owned and controlled by one man. Well, he's a legitimate super genius. I mean, legitimate. He says he's always voted for Democrats, but this year it will be different. He'll vote Republican. There is a reason the U.S. government is so reliant on him. Elon Musk is a scam artist, and he's done nothing. Anything he does is fascinating to people. Welcome to Elon Inc., where we discuss Elon Musk's vast corporate empire, his latest gambits and antics, and how to make sense of it all. I'm your host, David Papadopoulos. This week, we have an exciting guest, Barry Ritholtz, host of the Masters in Business podcast and founder of Ritholtz Wealth Management. Barry is joining us to talk about Elon's leadership of his companies over the years and his relationship with Wall Street. But first, We'll do a deep dive on Tesla's full self-driving mode, FSD, after a controversial Super Bowl ad that targeted Tesla and a Washington Post article on a fatal accident, we'll unpack the state of the technology. To do this, I'm sitting here in the studio with Max Chafkin, senior reporter at Bloomberg Businessweek. Max, you braved the snowstorm and are here. Welcome. Good to be here. And Dana Hall, Bloomberg's ace Tesla reporter. Hello, Dana. Hello, hello. Hey, so listen, so Super Bowl ads about cars are usually, I don't know, they're like American flags and God bless America and pickup trucks and farmers. But then all of a sudden, during the Super Bowl, millions of people heard something like this. Tesla dances away from liability in autopilot crashes by pointing to a note buried deep in the owner's manual that says, autopilot is only safe on freeways. So the feds demanded autopilot be restricted to freeways. Shockingly, Tesla refused. And it ends with these words, boycott Tesla to keep your kids safe. Dana, not subtle here. Who are these Dawn people behind the project? And what do we make of them and the ad? So the Dawn Project is kind of the campaign of a guy named Dan O'Dowd, who is a longtime software executive who has this kind of one-man quixotic campaign about Tesla and autopilot. He thinks it's unsafe. He thinks that regulators are not doing enough. And for years, he has been kind of after autopilot. He's run ads in the New York Times. Last year, they did small Super Bowl ads where they were kind of pressuring regulators. This year, they did ads that are really kind of pressuring consumers to boycott the company. But the term Super Bowl ad is a little overstated. I mean, this was not a national buy. These were very targeted ads in very weird small markets. Dover, Delaware, Traverse City, Michigan, Santa Barbara, California, parts of D.C. So, like, a lot of people didn't actually see these ads no, and, and I didn't myself. Traverse City, Michigan. Why Traverse? Where, where? I couldn't pick out Traverse City, Michigan on a map. <laughs> why Traverse it's, City? It's in Michigan? northern Michigan. It's on the lake. It's where a lot of auto industry executives have second homes. I believe Pete Buttigieg, uh, the transportation secretary, may, uh-huh. may have a home there. At least that's what the CNN story uh, about this ad said. We should say Super Bowl ads are, are, of course, often used to sell products. They're also sometimes used to garner media attention. You know, if you were watching, 
you you might have seen the ads for Jesus, the ads for Scientology, and of course the ads for for this Tesla thing. And I think in, in all those cases, right, it, this is part of a, a media operation. So part of the idea is to just sort of call attention to the point that this guy, Dan O'Dowd, has been making. And he's got a dog in this fight. He makes competing software. Green Hill Software, I mean, they, they make software for a variety of clients. Some of them are automotive. I mean, they don't make something that's like a direct competitor to Tesla Autopilot per se. But I think what's weird about this guy is like, listen, like NHTSA is investigating Autopilot. L- scores of like plaintiff's attorneys are suing Tesla over Autopilot. Like, There is like a regulatory and a legal process at play here. And like he's just seems very frustrated that it is not going fast enough. And so he's done all these things like, you know, got these like mannequins to look like kids and tried to like recreate crashes. And it's like this it's an interesting one man campaign, but it's like he's pressuring NHTSA to do more. Well, I mean, NHTSA has like this whole defect investigation underway. So I don't know what else the regulatory agencies could be doing. So NHTSA being the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration, that is a mouthful. They are investigating Tesla and autopilot. Give us a brief refresher course, Dana. Autopilot does what exactly and how widely used is it by Tesla owners? So... The term autopilot is confusing to people because its name, its legacy really comes from aviation and the idea that like airline pilots use autopilot when they fly planes. Tesla has kind of adopted this word to the tertiary world of like roadways and freeways and stop signs and school buses and fire trucks and roundabouts. And it is a driver assistance feature that comes standard on all Tesla cars. And, you know, it is not capable of driving itself, but it it helps you like keep lanes. And if you're tired and fatigued, you know, a lot of Tesla owners actually swear by it. Um, I've used autopilot myself several times when I've rented a Tesla. Mm. It's actually like a pretty great system. There is a full self-driving, which is a separate sort of product under, under construction, right? Separate software called FSD beta for full self-driving beta, which promises that one day it will be self-driving, but right now it's not. And just the whole name, calling something FSD when the the driver still really has to be in control is like a whole kind of marketing, advertising, you know, issue that a lot of people have problems with. And what happened with Tesla is that very early on, a lot of folks that were driving Tesla cars, when autopilot was engaged, were smashing into fire trucks. Well, it was like, what is going on here? Is is there something about autopilot where they're not, where the car is not seeing or inferring or reacting to emergency vehicle lights or is confused by these stopped vehicles? And so NHTSA opened this investigation into all these accidents. And, you know, like NHTSA does a very thorough job. They take years. And, you know, these investigations are sort of ongoing. And in the meantime, you, you can sort of see that the agency has kind of pushed the company to improve its safety culture. They've dinged them for all kinds of things, like the font Mm. size of their alerts. They've asked them to kind of bug drivers a little bit more. So this this Dawn project is like a separate track where you've got regulators doing their things. You've got all these lawsuits. And then and then the Dawn project is just trying to continually get across this message in their mind, which is that, you know, Teslas are just completely unsafe and consumers should boycott them completely. I mean, Dan O'Dowd is self-interested. And he's kind of self-aggrandizing. And we're talking about a Super Bowl commercial that that showed in like three 
you know, Washington, D.C. and like three tiny Traverse City, Michigan. Yeah. I mean, like really like giving this guy a lot of airtime and maybe undeservedly, except that there are real problems here. And, you know, Dan is talking about autopilot and full self-driving. Both of those names are bad, right? They both imply something that the car, Mm -hmm. that you would think the car does, but that it doesn't actually do. Mm -hmm. And for years, Tesla drivers have sort of been told in various ways by Elon Musk um, and by Tesla supporters and by people on Twitter and so on, that you can, you essentially can can stop paying attention to the road. And that is not what it says in the Tesla manual. That is not the official position. But like when when you have a CEO going around saying, hey, next year you're gonna this is gonna drive itself from you know Los Angeles to New York with no interventions and you know distributing videos on the internet in which you know it, it looks like the car is doing everything, that creates a very misleading perception. And there are real problems with not just Tesla's autonomous vehicle technology, but all like these problems that O'Dowd has been pointing to school, you know, emergency vehicles, kids, cyclists, and so on. These are across the board problems that no one has solved, yeah. including Elon Musk. Now, Matt, just today, actually, the Washington Post came out with the story uh, saying that there was a first apparently fatality from somebody. I guess my question for the two of you is this. I get these issues and these concerns, and I wonder if autopilot as a result, we're saying is not safe, or let me express it differently. Is it less safe and worse than human drivers who human drivers are pretty awful, right? And we're getting consistently That's, worse. So I, first of all, I totally push back. Human drivers are not pretty awful. Oh. Humans are very good at driving. Um, <laughs> you know, most people will drive their entire lifetimes, uh, you know, w- without being involved in a, in a, you know, serious crash. Um, the, the thing is that autopilot is, is very similar to technology that is in other cars. And, it's, and as Dana says, it's super useful. So like if you have a sort of high-end GM car, you might have something like Super Cruise, Honda, Toyota. All these car companies have made amazing advances in terms of driver assistance. So lane keeping, braking for you if, if you fail to hit the brake fast. I have a Honda. My Odyssey has a version of this. And you um, use it. And I use it. It's really good. But the thing is, it doesn't replace the human. It it, it augments the human. And the, the criticism that's being made by O'Dowd and also many others is that Tesla has not communicated that well and has, in fact, at times seemed to deliberately kind of blur the distinction between self-driving and some kind of driver assistance. So I just want to make one note about the Washington Post story, which is an issue that has come up in a lot of these autopilot Mm. stories that are in the media, and that is that the drivers in that vehicle were drunk. And so it's very difficult to separate out what was autopilot and what was human error. Like, you should not be... Mm. But this also gets back to the point of how autopilot and FSD beta, like, lures people into thinking that the car can do something that it cannot. But there is no lawyer in their right mind who's going to take a case for people that were three times over the legal limit. And so... It's just this tricky thing where, you know, a lot of these accidents are happening because the drivers think that the car is capable of doing more than it really can. This is what regulators are being pressured to act on. And then the the data about is it safer or not is all over the place because autopilot is really supposed to be used on highways. Some people don't use it on highways. Tesla cherry picks how they use their data. Hmm. Good data is hard to come by. There's a wide variety of, of perspectives about whether it is safer or not. We don't hear about the times that autopilot actually saved people. And, you know, like YouTube and Twitter is also full of all of these 
Tesla owners that are like, oh my God, like I had no idea that this truck was about to cut me off and autopilot saved my life. I mean, so I just want to, you know, I'm not trying to like the autopilot defender here, but I think it is important to notice that we hear about the crashes, we hear about the fatalities. We don't really hear about all the times that people swear that like without autopilot, they would be dead in a ditch. So you're trying to, Dan O'Dowd is trying to target policymakers and Tesla. No, at this point, he's trying to target consumers because the ads that ran this weekend are boycott Tesla to keep your kids mm. safe. Tesla must be held accountable. So he's he's actually going directly for the consumers because, you know, the regulators are doing their process. And I, I think that he's now trying to target like the American auto buyer. It's a media thing. It's not. I mean, yes, the ads are framed about consumers, but the idea is to like make some noise um, and, and to get to get media to cover it, cover this. And I think, you know, he he aired it in Washington as well. So, uh, like, clearly there is a there is a thought to policymakers. Right. But I, I, again, I think it's it's about trying to to the reason you buy a Super Bowl ad is not because it's like an efficient way to reach uh, people. It's because it's a great way to make some noise, especially a Super Bowl ad like this. I just also want to point out that, you know, one of the ads used the NTSB seal and the NTSB was really upset about that. And they, the NTSB being. Yes, the NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board, they put out a statement saying that they did not authorize the use of the seal in their ad. They had nothing to do with this ad. They didn't. So it's like, you know, you just have to like Dan O'Dowd, he, he's, he's got a campaign. And to Max's point, like free media is the name of the game with these things. Now joining us is Barry Ritholtz, host of Bloomberg's Masters in Business podcast, where he has interviewed, I don't know, Barry, how many? Hundreds? Over 500. Over 500 business leaders and thinkers. Okay, Barry, my first question for you is, where does Elon rank in the Barry Ritholtz pantheon of Masters in Business? So you got to give him mad props for the things he's done so special, so well. He he basically could have let PayPal become a disaster. Somehow that became a, mm -hmm. a big win for him. The original concept of Tesla was let's take some Lotuses and jam the underside filled with laptop batteries. Talk, talk about a pipe dream. <laughs> he, he joined the company. Well, he didn't create Tesla, but he joined the company and basically put them on the right footing. And, and then I think SpaceX... So when you look at what he's accomplished across his career, it's fantastic. He, he, he's almost single-handedly forced the automotive industry into electrifying and reducing their carbon footprint. He ha has reinvigorated the space race and, and made it more affordable to put payloads in, into orbit, in, both in and out of the car industry. And I generally got a sense during the early ramp up of Tesla, or maybe it was the later ramp up of Tesla, post 2013, 14, 15, you know, when, when the Model S really started to take off. Jeff Bezos is the guy that I think was the warning to the automobile industry, hey, don't let Elon do to you what Bezos did to retailers everywhere. That if you just are going to sit back and let a modern software driven digital platform steal your lunch, you're in trouble. And and I think what whatever you say positive or negative about Elon Musk, 
I think he forced the automobile industry into adapting what I think is a superior technology. And I say that it pains me to say that as a petrol head into adopting electric, I don't know, a decade earlier than they would have otherwise. I would argue he's an amazing marketer, like an amazing, like in terms of jobs level. marketing. Yeah, yeah. Like in terms of just like formulating a pitch and like bring people along and and it also shows you, selling a story, selling a story. And it shows you a little bit of the difficulty there because like the story has had to change. It's changed a couple of times. Right. Like and and now and 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 the story when you're selling, you know, what amounts to like a, you know, a, a Corolla, but with an electric battery, which is what they're trying to sell now. Like that is maybe a different. I don't know. That's that's a different right. story. And I think that is creating continual tests for Tesla. And, and they're only going to increase, um, you know, if, if the company continues to grow. So, Barry, he did indeed achieve these things, um, and he got these companies to where he got them. And so investors obviously sank a lot of money into his companies and made a lot of money. I mean, and he, I think he made many, many investors, very rich people. But where do do the investors you speak with, you know, where do they land on, on Musk now, given his evolution as a public persona, as a celebrity, as a leader? When you, when you talk to clients at at Ritholtz Wealth Management, what, what kind of chatter do you hear about? So we're, we're a plain vanilla boring allocator and we're putting people in big, bold index funds. And uh, we have some other things we do, direct indexing and, and uh, a, a behavioral-based tactical portfolio. But primarily, um, if you buy a domestic U.S. fund, you're going to have some right. exposure to Tesla. So it... it it comes up less from the investment standpoint and more from, hey, does it make any sense? And so when people come up to me and when I get, get the question, what's going on with Tesla? Does it make sense that they're more valuable than the next 10 uh, automobile companies combined? And the short answer is no, that doesn't make any sense at all. But if you can tell me when mm. the market is going to say, oh, uh, we got this wrong, let's sell off Tesla and buy these other ones, that, that's when you have to worry about it. Now, this has been going on for years. This isn't a secret. Everybody knows it. And the market seems to more or less be comfortable with it. Which is to Max's point about his ability to, to sell a story and to sell to investors that beyond just a car company and an EV car company, it's also a technology company selling autopilot. Elon has always been selling the future, like a vision of the future that evolves and changes as each milestone is reached, you know, they go to the next one. I mean, you know, in the early days of SpaceX, nobody thought that they would ever land this rocket on a drone ship in the ocean. And now they've done it multiple like, times. hundreds of yeah. times, multiple times. And, you know, he's not going to stop until he creates his Mars colony. And, there is a throng of people who are sort of entranced by that. And there are a lot of Wall Street investors who, you know, there's like an Elon premium with his companies, which is right. why all of his startups from Neuralink to the boring company to X.AI are able to raise capital because people want to be in Musk's circle. And he, he's made people a lot of money and, and they, 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 you know, he's like a financial engineer as much as a real one. Here's a question for you, Barry. So he has obviously, with his public persona, made a lot of friends and a lot of fans. He's got a lot of fans. He's also made a lot of enemies. Your sense of just how much Elon is hurting Tesla sales right now? So that's a that's a fascinating question because a, a number of things have happened over the past couple of years that really, uh, it's hard to tell if they put a dent into sales. 
So all the problems with um, full self-driving or automatic driving, it's two years away for like, I don't know. Forever. Eight, 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 ten years now. So uh, it's hard to judge. And yet at the same time, we had some substantial price cuts over the past few years in Tesla's, which I I was kind of surprised because I'm familiar with basic economics. I was surprised that. This is a brilliant move to capture market share mm. and put the other companies back on their heels. Uh, okay, maybe, but I'm concerned yeah. about profits, not market share. The, th- the only thing that I thought that maybe could be akin to is Saudi Arabia saying, and, and, you know, you know what, I'm just going to flood the market with, with cheap oil and I'm going to drive out all the all the other higher higher cost producers. If one can make an argument for it, that would sort of be like maybe what it was, like a sort of a power move. But we do know that, you know, right, Dana, as he's cut prices, their their growth is slowing markedly, correct? Yeah, but the whole the whole EV industry growth is slowing. It's like, you know, like EV sales are still growing and they're just not like the 50% year over year growth that the market thought was going to happen. Oh, oh, hold on one second, Danica, because Barry has taken my highlighter and he's drawn something for us. What I, have you drawn, Barry? I, I've got a visual aid. This is just simply the technology adoption cycle, uh-huh. which starts with the early adopters. So, so you had that group <laughs> and then eventually you move into the broad, you know, the next level. You know, you go from innovators to early adopters to at a certain point, you hit a peak. And so uh, you have two things happening simultaneously in the EV car market. First, people are starting to understand the the advantages and disadvantages of an electric vehicle. And again, as a petrol head, it's hard to argue it's a more reliable platform. So that's the broad picture. The legacy internal combustion engine has almost a century of infrastructure build out Right. That you're not going to catch up to in a dozen years. It's going to take you 10, 20, 30 years to get there. And over that transitional period, the hybrid is is filling the gap. Let me ask you this, though. Back on Elon, the the entrepreneur and the salesman, perhaps as good a technologist and, a, and an engineering mind as he is, one of the great salespeople of our time, right? Maybe no ma- doubt. Steve Jobs the second. Like everybody, I, how often you hear people described as the next Steve Jobs, and it, it's always a pale imitation. My theory in that is Steve Jobs died in what 2011. That was when Tesla was ramping up the Model S. And so I think the media had quite a lot of a role. The tech press in particular had quite a lot of a big role to play in this because Steve Jobs died and everyone was like, who's the new Steve Jobs? But that ability to create that reality distortion field where people suspend disbelief and get pulled into a universe that doesn't exist. And it's a, to be fair to Elon, it's a hopeful vision of the future where pollution is a thing of the past and climate change has been managed. And even if we have overpopulation, well, everybody just head over to my country home on Mars and there's plenty of room for all. I mean, he has created a narrative that is hopeful and that's not the worst thing. The Steve Jobs thing, I think that was something that Elon did himself. I mean, he has that he has explicitly modeled himself on Steve Jobs like he. 
I mean, you look look at look He's at who draped he chose himself to... in the clothes of Steve Jobs. Yeah, yeah, like the the way he presents himself as a, a CEO, the way he conceptualizes the role of a manager, the way the he way pre- he tweets, uh, yeah, the, the way rollout of the new vehicles, the, the way the, he does that. The choice of Walter Isaac. Look at the covers of those books, right? Same. I mean, it's like he dial he ordered up his own, you know, Isaacson treatment, and I think that has been an effective approach. People were entranced by Steve Jobs. And to some extent, Tesla has managed to create uh, an Apple-like following of a fo- and, and has no been doubt. able to, you know, convince investors that the economics for cars are the same as the economics for smartphones. So which... who's the Tim Cook in the Elon Musk story? We know Gwen is the Tim Cook of SpaceX. Who is the Tim Cook of Tesla? Does said person exist? So that's always been the interesting dynamic at Tesla. Whenever anyone has kind of risen up to be the sort of de facto number two, they've they've always been axed or they've they've disappeared suddenly. We saw that most recently with Zach Kirkhorn, the, the very highly regarded CFO. He left in August. No one exactly knows why. So that reminds me a little bit of Jack Welsh, who was running General Electric for 20 years and um there was a just series of CEOs coming up under him right. or potential CEOs. Right. And they knew Jack had a, a death grip on GE. And um, all these guys, uh, the, the, the S&P 500 is littered with CEOs who were potential Jack Welsh replacements. There's a whole longer story about what a terrible job Welsh did. But there are some parallels there in that you it becomes hard to retain talent at the highest level if they don't see a path to work their way up the ladder, if not succeed the CEO. You know, we saw that a little bit with Jamie Dimon at, at J.P. Morgan Chase, and we definitely saw it with Jack Welsh at GE. The question is, at a certain point, Elon is going to have to focus on whatever the next thing is, and he needs someone to run Tesla when he's too busy. I have no idea who that person might be. Well, and it's really hard for someone from the outside to succeed at Tesla because the culture is so unique that the, the various people that they've hired from other industries or from other companies have never lasted long. I mean, the top, the, the four named executives now at the top of the roster there are all longtime Tesla executives who've been there forever. Yeah. No one else can be as hardcore as, yeah, as Elon the, Musk. And that, that's true. I mean, this is this is definitely true. So, Barry, last question for you. Your final thought on Elon and the difference between physics and humans. Sure. So his greatest successes have, have come, um, I don't want to say conquering the rules of physics, but working within the laws of physics to bend our expectations as to what's possible. Very quick, long-range, software-driven cars, the ability to launch cheap, renewable, reusable rockets into space and land them. Uh, Where he's kind of, you know, seems to have lost the thread, no pun intended, Mm. was at Twitter. By the way, we don't know the impact on on Tesla sales from him being such a kind of wackadoo on Twitter (laughs) because we don't have the control group. You know, we can't run an experiment. But I know personally, and all right, I live in the New York area, which tends to vote Democratic, but that tends to be his Tesla potential base. You have California, you have Austin, Texas, you have, you know, the, the, the liberal coasts, the big cities. Who have the cash to, to, to Right. Pay they for. have the income. They, they're concerned about the environment. 
And they're willing to put up with some of the inconveniences of an electric car if they think they're they're doing good for the world. Uh, like I'm that is eventually a series of Harvard Business School case studies, how to alienate your core customer and how long can you get away with that? My last thought is he needs a couple of no men. He needs some people around him to say, Elon, that's a really dumb idea. Elon, $44 billion, that doesn't make any sense. Elon, focus on rockets and cars. Leave this social media crap to other people. And he doesn't have anybody, not only doesn't he have people willing to stand up to him and tell him that's a terrible idea, that inner circle really seems to be a bunch of cheerleaders urging him on, you know, you know, chug, chug, chug (laughs) at a frat house. Every worst instinct he has. And. They're encouraging. And Chug, he does. I guess, Dan, uh, last word with you. I suppose the only person who pushes back some or that we know about on a regular basis is indeed Gwen Shotwell at at SpaceX. Or is that mischaracterizing her role? No, I think that's fair. I mean, Max and I had a long, lengthy interview with Gwen, and she will, like, she, you know, if you you think about it as, like, a dysfunctional family, he's the scary dad, and she's the mom who constantly runs interference with employees, but also with, like, NASA and the Air Force. And, you know, I mean, she told a great story about how Musk was ready to cancel Falcon Heavy, and she ran, and she she was getting text messages from others, like, you got to come in here. And she ran into the meeting and was like, no, no, Elon, you can't do that. Like, the Air Force has reserved this rocket like falcon heavy is going ahead he's like oh yeah you're right and so he will change his mind if he's presented with the right data but i think there's very few people who have the kind of emotional intelligence to go head to head with him and understand the way he thinks and can manage him thanks for listening to elon inc and thanks to our panel max barry and dana thank you thank you Great to be here. This episode was produced by Stacey Wong, Naomi Shaven, and Rehan Harmansi are our senior editors. The idea for this very show also came from Rehan. Blake Maples handles engineering, and we get special editing assistance from Jeff Grocott. Our supervising producer is Magnus Henriksen. Huge thanks to Angel Rossiu and Joel Weber. The Elon Inc. theme is written and performed by Taka Yasuzawa and Alex Sugiyura. Sage Bauman is the head of Bloomberg Podcast and our executive producer. I am David Papadopoulos. If you have a minute, rate and review our show. It'll help other listeners find us. See you next week. <laughs>